0: I met my best friend, Anne, in 1985. And the Babysitter's
1: Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988, and she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme, these books are great. Now, now we're all grown
2: In Stony Brook. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitters Club. Today we're discussing Book 45 Christy and the Baby Parade. You guys like parades?
1: No.
0: I like a parade. I was kind of hoping this was a metaphor.
1: <laughs>
2: mm, no, not great. a
1: literal parade of babies.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You like a parade, Anne? I like a good parade. I don't like the crowd of parades, so I'd mm. rather just watch it on TV probably. Mm. Or or maybe be in the parade.
0: Yeah, I like being in a parade. We used to be in a lot of parades in high school.
2: Yeah, I didn't like oh. that.
0: <laughs> Marching uh-huh. bands.
2: We had to wake up we had to wake up really early and then march around playing instruments, which really doesn't sound very fun.
0: And those band moms would yell at us and come around with like a chopstick and a bunch of Aquanet to get your hair up in the shako.
2: Is that what it was called, a shako?
0: Yeah, that like tall hat it's called a shako
2: okay anyway (laughs) as interesting as this discussion is about (laughs) parades um let's get on to our one sentence summaries my one sentence summary is how did a bunch of parents allow their babies to be pulled along by charlie in a shitty car
1: (laughs) very important question I love how your sentences have become questions. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> I know. Trend. I think this is like the third one. <laughs> okay. Mine is the girls learn about babies even though they've been watching babies this whole time.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, mine is a little bit more of the, the central thrust. So I think we have a good balance between the three of us as is common. The club tries to build a float for a literal parade of babies, but they don't talk to each other. So they
1: get mad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i mean that is the whole plot so <laughs> at least you don't have to it. spend time yeah. dilly-dallying through the plot today <laughs> yep that's pretty much it wait this is also a book where we literally get a maybe i should back up and explain yeah. a few things <laughs> so maybe we should back up and tell you about the members of the podcast <laughs> I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food.
2: I'm Anna Chakala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth.
0: And I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, you can check out our prologue episode. Also, please rate and review us. It really helps other people find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, you can drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuck in Stony And we have two new patrons to thank today, you both. Um, one is named Anne with an E. It's not you, though, right, Anne? It's an, it's an actual patron?
2: Yes, it's not me.
0: Fantastic. Pizza toast to you, Anne, and a pizza toast to Stephanie Jameson. Yay,
2: thank you. thank you, Anne and Stephanie.
0: Also, if you are interested in other fun 90s nostalgia, please give these people a listen.
2: Ever sit up at night and wonder...
0: Does Britney Spears' first album still slap? Are Pop-Tarts still tasty? Or why is Bill Murray in Space Jam? Hi,
2: I'm Molly. And I'm Sam. And we're here to help. We answer all of these questions on the Hold Up podcast, where we revisit the things we liked as kids and see if they're still worth loving. Things like My Chemical Romance. Sister, Sister. And our dads. That one's a thinker. Listen to the Hold Up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so before we get into this baby parade, which we're really anxious <laughs> to do. Uh,
0: we I don't gotta, know if the words baby and parade have ever said been said with such barely contained disdain. <laughs> baby
1: parade.
2: Yeah. I mean, if it was like a bunch of babies who could actually walk in formation and do stuff, that'd be pretty cool. But it's not that. That would be terrifying. Yeah,
1: the picture is unsettling.
2: <laughs> yeah, like little babies doing color guard. Like, oh God! Uh, no, I hate
1: that. I hate that more than I hate.
2: Like, I hate a, a lot
1: float. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah.
2: This, yeah,
1: that's really right. upsetting.
2: And don't make this. <laughs> it's kind of a, like a Halloween Halloween movie, like the Baby yeah. Parade. What happens yeah. in the horror movie Baby Parade? Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, I guess
0: people's actual babies must get possessed or something, right? To to give them those powers. And so, like, your your own <laughs> baby turns against against you. But I don't know why it's a parade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they have to go get trained. Like, maybe it's, like, Nazi formations.
1: Well, and also, aren't most horror films, like, the thing that's horrifying is a sort of metaphor for something about, like, humans that are horrifying? Like, what's the metaphor? For possessed babies, (laughs) or of possessed babies, rather. What is that a metaphor for? I don't know. Capitalism? Well, okay, fine.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel like capitalism is always the answer. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into the baby parade, we got a couple of great listener letters. Should we maybe read one? Yeah. Okay. So this one is from Cynthia. She says... Thought you all needed to know this. I'm not sure who else to tell. I've been reading the new Haley Mills autobiography.
1: Wait, I really like that. I know. <laughs> I'm not sure who else to tell. It's perfect. <laughs> Very strong start. <laughs> yeah. That's great. We're um, always here for any time you need to tell people random
2: things. Yeah. Um, I've been reading the new Haley Mills autobiography, and I thought it was funny that it came out right about when you released your parent trap podcast. Um, it must have bon- been Bonus some...
0: episode on Patreon, everybody. Yes. All
2: right. <laughs> It must have been something in the zeitgeist. I haven't listened yet. I'll join you on Patreon soon. But imagine how pleased I was to read about Haley getting her first period during a crucial scene on the set of her most iconic movie. Oh. Wow, I didn't know that. What? I'm glad she told us. I know. I wanted everyone to know. That means us. (gasps) Cover your eyes and ears if you don't want to know anymore. It happens during the isolation cabin scene at the parent trap. Wow! Can you imagine looking back at your life and realizing that you got your first period during a major coming-of-age movie moment for yourself and women around the globe? Some kind of symbolic destiny? I mean, most women just quietly got theirs on a Tuesday or something. Your friend <laughs> and librarian, Cynthia.
1: Quietly on a Tuesday?
0: Yeah, oh that's kind of amazing. I, we have the actual excerpt. Do you guys want me to read you the excerpt in Hayley Mills's words? She sure. sent us a link. So she says... We were shooting the scene where the two girls are in the isolation cabin, an important scene with lots of switching roles and changing wigs. Oh, we know that there were wigs, Haley. Um, The set was small and hot and very brightly lit. The camera crew, most of whom were men, were right on top of us. I was sure everyone was staring at me, that they knew there was something different and they could see that there was something odd about my shorts. I waited for a murmur and then the laughter and began to feel acutely self-conscious, something I'd never felt before in front of the camera. It was agony. Thankfully, my mother had given me the appropriate equipment to deal with the situation. It was very uncomfortable and felt like a plank of wood between my legs. I was appalled. I can't do this, I told her anxiously. I'm wearing tiny green shorts. It will show. You'll be fine, she insisted. Just remember to keep your legs together. How on earth was I going to do that? The scene involved a lot of jumping on and off of the camp beds. I tried not to be self-conscious, but I knew that the camera heightens everything. And I mean everything. Every pimple is ten times the size on the big screen. Somehow I did manage to keep my legs together and I found a way to more or less levitate off the bed. The day seemed to last forever. When the studio finally rang, the studio bell finally rang, I couldn't wait to escape. Yikes. Yeah, not fun. I feel really bad for her. And I actually think I remember what she's talking about. Like when she gets off the bed, like she pushes up with both hands and sort of hops off of it Mm -hmm. instead of like stepping off of it. And now we know why, because she had like a giant 1960s pad on.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you guys think this happened to Lindsay Lohan? I don't think so. So I feel like this might make the 1961 Parent Trap better. I'm not interested in this conversation.
0: (laughs) Thank you for writing, Cynthia. That was fantastic.
1: Yeah, man. Wow. What a story. Should we read another one?
0: Yeah, let's hear another one.
1: Okay. Listener Faith writes, I'm a recent listener and it's so refreshing to hear this kind of commentary on the series. There are definitely some weird social conventions going on in Stony Brook, and it's so interesting to hear them dissected from an academic standpoint. I'm curious to know what you guys think about the level of financial independence the girls are expected to have, despite their families being substantially well-off or even wealthy. It seems like their parents don't provide anything but food and housing, and anything beyond that is totally the girl's responsibility, i.e. the end of Mallory on Strike, where her parents take her on a special shopping spree at the mall, but don't buy her anything, and she has to pay for everything herself. When I was growing up in the 2000s, I feel like I wasn't expected to have an income, and excluding treats, my parents paid for things up until at least high school, if not until I was old enough to work around 16. And I definitely was never expected to pay for my own clothes or pay for my part of the bill at restaurants as a middle schooler. Or was that just how it was in the 80s or 90s? Or is it another weird, everything is work and everyone must work-ism of Stony Brook? On a similar note, several of the sitters seem to have this idea that they can't spend time with their siblings unless they're babysitting for them. (laughs) Jesse, Mallory, and Christy all regularly express that when they're not babysitting for their siblings often enough, they miss them and make it sound like that's the only way they can spend quality time. Like, just hang out, guys. (laughs) You can do that without getting paid or being in charge. Do you think that has to do with the work obsession and the pattern of parentified oldest siblings we see a lot of? From the POV of someone who wasn't around when the books were being released, it's very striking that the sitters are treated and act... Slash think like they're basically self-sufficient working adults at 11 to 13. Love your work. Happy reading. Best faith. These are such good questions. I know. I I got this letter and I was like, oh, this
0: is like Emily Catnip. I love it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess I think middle school does seem a little bit young to be fully financially responsible for everything aside from the whole, the groceries that are bought in your home. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way before, but it does seem... I think that that, that intuition that uh, it's weird is, is spot on. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, my middle schoolers are definitely not financially independent. It's also a pandemic, so they can't babysit as much as they would like to, but still. I do, I think, though, about this choice. Like, I think that, and we talked about this kind of earlier on in the series, like, I think this was a purposeful choice on Anna and Martin's part because it's exciting as a kid to read about other kids who are independent. So and, and this kind of equating of financial independence with whatever true independence is,
2: mm-hmm. is,
0: you know, certainly what it's, we're all swimming in. But also like a, an easy way to say, like, these girls are grown and in charge of their own destiny kind of. Mm-hmm. Thing.
1: So it's like a mode of kind of modeling responsibility and independence. I think so.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I'm curious what you think as a writer Anne, about that. Like, is, is it more symbolic than literal?
2: I think that it is a plot device. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it kind of has to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, yeah, like, in real world, that wouldn't happen, probably. Or I, I didn't, yeah. I mean, I didn't even get an allowance growing up. I mm. I got, I didn't, baby. I didn't earn my own money or anything. I was, like, 100% dependent on my parents for everything. Uh, except for the yeah. slash of cash I got for, like, all the holidays.
0: Yeah, you didn't get an allowance because you made, like, $300 on St. Patrick's Day. Like, they
2: just... What? They just, not $300, maybe 100 They just,
0: like, all the relatives, all the aunties, like, Anne just got money anytime there was a holiday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think that that's, that's right, especially this point that Faith makes about, you know, the, this is not, like, a working class world where they're expected to contribute to the households right? where they're low income like they their families have money except in the rare instance when they don't like in poor Mallory right but otherwise mm-hmm. everybody's comfortable so yeah it's weird it's the work society man
2: So <laughs> tired of working <laughs> They yes. don't really hang
0: out with their siblings, though. That's pretty funny. I, yeah. I hadn't noticed that before. That was a very good insight phase. Like, it didn't yeah. occur to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty messed up. But I guess they're so busy working.
0: That's true. They're working with so many other
1: families that that's when yeah. they get the time. Yeah, yeah that their well, their potential time with siblings is being intruded upon by their job. So th- yeah. the job is when they have to make time, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, didn't I don't remember the right term, Emily, but don't you have a friend that studies um, care work and like care ladders like the phenomenon of like care women tear chains? Yeah. Women Mm -hmm. having to go care for other people's babies and get somebody else to care for their babies. And all of that. this is just like a middle school version of that.
2: Mm Yeah. Yeah. We
0: got to have that friend on at some point.
1: Yeah. Rachel would love to. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Should we talk about this book? Do we have to?
0: Yeah, I, I I I think there's some interesting developmental psych stuff about babies. I'll start I'll start there before we get into just the like social weirdness of having a little old baby parade, because the book doesn't start out as weird. It starts out. The the premise is that um, the Preziosos now they have baby Andrea. Right. And she wants she needs um uh, Mrs. Prezioso needs a regular sitter a couple days a week for some volunteer thing she's doing at the preschool. And she wants to pay for one of them to take an infant care class, um, which is a thing that a lot of parents like. And so then but then they all decide to sign up for this infant care class, which is Emily astutely pointed out in her one sentence summary. They've been taking care of a lot of infants and maybe they should have taken this class before. (laughs) But so it goes. And I I think that that's just a little bit of an excuse for us to learn
1: some facts about babies as the well, yeah the, obviously as the but babysitters are learning some facts about babies that's ostensibly like the whole purpose of this book and so yeah. there's like a non plot yeah it's just like here's how to care for babies and it's like okay yeah so there's a lot at of at least dressed it up a little bit yeah
0: well there's a parade um but there's a lot of babysitting of actual babies but it's just like a
1: shame parade <laughs> it is a shame parade <laughs> So
0: true. Was this uh,
2: book? This book was ghostwritten, right?
0: Yes, this is okay. an Ellen Miles book, and Ellen Miles usually does the mysteries, which we kind of enjoy. I think that it's because there's no mystery, she's a little joyless. I mean, That's there my, is a my mystery. Why they have a baby? Brain. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not spooky, but it's never solved. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, there are a couple of things. So they take this class and then Christy and one of the dads like win the class. <laughs> like they do the best on the written exam and the practical exam, which is also just hilarious. Too um, weird. But um, they, there is some stuff that's sort of out of date. So um, particularly in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of research on colic. Have, and I know Anne, you didn't do much babysitting. Emily, have you sat for a baby with colic before? Nope. Um, yeah, mo- I mean most most times they're not. There's not often because it's so early. You may not be doing the sitting. Then it's you know usually more of a impact on the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the, colic is defined behaviorally. Um, it's they used to think in the 80s and 90s it was related to digestion or gas. Um, there's not actually. Much data to support that. There's not. We don't really know what causes it, um, and so that's said very definitively in this book. Like some babies have a hard time digesting, and then they get colic, but that's not necessarily true. Colic can come from a bunch of different sources, but it's just defined by from around six weeks to around three months old. If the baby cries for three or more hours on three or more days for three or more weeks, that's the definition of colic. It's like three by three. Mm-hmm. Um, which as you can imagine is a lot of crying and mm-hmm. is very, very stressful. And this is crying, you know, in the book, in the baby care class, they talk about, Oh, well, you know, what do you think the baby needs? Like, should you feed them? Should you change the diaper? Do they need to be rocked? And, you know, parents of kids with colic, no, I'm sure we have some listeners that went through this. You can do all of the things and the crying still goes. And it's usually like, a really strong crying. It sounds like the baby mm. might be in pain. They're like very unconsolable. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's really, really hard. As you might guess, the problems associated with it affect parents, especially yeah. mothers, because mothers tend to be the ones with babies at that time. Um, though, of course, that's not the case 100% of the time. So it's associated with postpartum depression. And, you know, other poor like health outcomes from others because they're literally walking around. It's very, very stressful. What's interesting about it is that it doesn't really have long term associations for the babies. And there's no difference. There's been lots of studies looking at like why do some babies get colic and some babies don't. There's no difference on biological sex. It's equal in assigned female at birth and assigned male at birth. There's no difference in preterm or full-term babies. There's no difference in breast milk versus formula. So anybody out there with a formula-fed baby, don't let people convince you that it's because you're not breastfeeding that your kid has colic. And it doesn't seem to be related to temperament. So we have a lot of research on kind of just like early pieces of personality that seem consistent for kids throughout life, like their level of activity, their level of distractibility, how they approach things. There's kind of nine dimensions. And having had colic doesn't seem to be related to that, but it is related to these more stressful outcomes for parents. And then there's, I found one Swedish study from about 10 years ago showing that kids who had colic as babies were more emotional as toddlers and preschoolers. So they expressed bigger emotions and tended to have, you know, more tantrums, but not in a way that like necessarily interfered with the rest of life which is really interesting to me anecdotally. So this isn't a study, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I work with teens with really big emotions and the parents often tell us that they had colic as babies. Interesting. And again, just anecdotal correlational, but that was not surprising to me. So it may Mm -hmm. just be like a, you know, related in some way to a deeper emotional experiencing, which is not a dimension of temperament. So it's not so often that, you know, because Anna Martin does her research, it's not so often that we get like a, you know, a psychology, like a development lesson that is just wrong. But this is not our understanding of colic anymore.
1: Yeah, I feel like most of the babies I ever nannied for were pretty chill. Yeah. But also I think one of the reasons I was a good babysitter for infants is that crying doesn't stress me out. Yeah.
0: I I have some friends who had
1: a hard time watching infants because they would get really anxious or stressed when the baby was in distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: it, it probably is different. Well, in fact, I know that it's different when you're, if it's your biological child and you have just given birth six weeks late earlier, so mm-hmm. you're still in a bunch of hormonal changes yourself right. and there's some oxytocin and some cortisol mm-hmm. happening so to tired. make you take care of that baby. Yes. <laughs> and you're sleep deprived. <laughs> And like, colic usually, yeah, colic usually happens like in the evening. So you've mm-hmm. been up all day taking care of the baby. It's usually like 5 to 8 p.m. You're like dead on your feet. It's really awful. Yeah. So yeah. if anybody knows a parent who's dealing with colic right now, go put in a shift or two. Go help your fam, your family friends and walk around with that screaming baby. I mean, You're only going to do it for a day.
2: Yeah. Emily doesn't mind crying. So, yeah. If you need her, <laughs> hit me up. Hit her up. You can write yeah, us I'm at suckinstonyrook sure. at gmail.com. Subject line. We need Emily. Now. Emily, help.
0: <laughs> Emily, come walk my colicky baby. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I will say in terms of tips for parents is that it, it does just go away on its own. So, like, mm-hmm. it's an awful time, and then by the by three or four months, it goes away. Now, I know that's, like, a long time, right, because that means you're dealing with six right. to eight weeks of this three times a week, and it does end, and, you know, they, you know, talk about how the, the days are long, but the years are short when you have babies and kids, and, like, it feels like it's never going to end, but it does end, and so if how you get through that is you put a podcast in your ears while you're walking up and down or you you know, watch a movie or you eat ice cream, like what, like just get through it. You'll get there. It'll get over and it'll be okay. My, my tips on colic.
1: (laughs) These parenting tips corner.
0: (laughs) The other thing that I thought was really interesting is they're like sharing babysitting tips at the beginning. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, or they're shaking their heads that, (laughs) that Dawn has her new tantrum treatment. Yeah. Which is. I cracked up that she called it that too. Yeah. (laughs)
2: I had to read so that part wanna, like three times. Yeah, so do you I was like, describe, "What?"
0: Describe what Don's tantrum treatment was.
2: She tucks them into bed mm-hmm.
0: and speaks softly at them until mm-hmm. they stop tantruming. This strikes me as not great. <laughs> like, I mean, so I'm trying to picture like you're playing outside. Let's say she's playing soccer with um, the Rodowski boys, and Archie's mad that Shay gets a goal. And so he starts to have a tantrum and then she like, what is she? She picks him up. She takes him up the stairs. He's like dirty. She puts him into the bed. Like, how does this? I don't want to say it would never work because like anything behavioral that you're trying to do with kids, it depends on context. Right. So if it's that the kid is really tired or that the kid feels like they haven't been listened to, then this could work. But they definitely presented it as like a universal solution to tantrums, which
2: I wanna know. Does like, not
0: make sense to me.
2: How does it also end? Does the kid just get out of bed?
0: Right. Okay. Now you're, it sounds a little bit like Dawn's cult. Like now, now you've, mm-hmm. now you've, now we've had our soothing conversation and we can go back to the soccer game, Archie. Yeah. Maybe she learned yeah. this from
2: We Love Kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a we love kids club tactic Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all right so those are those are my developmental psychology thoughts emily there were there were some dads finally in this book
1: kind of like a couple there's a
2: hot dad dad. that's
1: the weird part christy like christy's like really into the dad don who's running the baby class and like says presumably they all have a crush on him and then when she meets his kid, she's like, oh, never mind. My crush is over because now I picture him as just a dad. And I was like, the fuck? That was confusing that- to you? It just struck me as weird. Like, Oh.
0: Because she's also a kid. So, like, you're, like, I don't know. I thought everybody's dad was kind of gross when I was a kid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, I thought it would be fun to yeah. first, like, maybe cast him, cast this couple. <laughs> mm. Because, I mean, they could be, like. 25 he could look be pretty young he's not you know well
1: she said that he's younger than Watson but older than her teacher Mr. <laughs> right. Fisk or whatever So maybe, or like maybe the age of their teacher who's like probably in his 20s I don't yeah. know yeah
2: maybe late 20s early 30s
1: yeah. yeah it's like when you're when you go to college and you maybe realize that all of your high school teachers were like five years older than you yeah <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> Except was, the ones that were old. Yeah.
2: I was thinking a Paul Rudd type person.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, sure. Not 29, but.
2: <laughs> looks, but looks 29. 29.
1: <laughs> wasn't there, wasn't there a, like an internet quiz where you had to guess if it was yeah. which photo of him he was older or younger? Didn't yeah, you I do like was embarrassingly well on it? I did. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I like also how Esme, Esme took that quiz and now like someone has their information is gonna stole all her money.
1: She doesn't care it's worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Worth it. Worth okay, it. so you
0: think he's like a Paul Red, like yeah. yeah.
2: Like cute, not dangerous, like more
1: boyish. Yeah. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he seems I thought it was cool that he is like kind of co-teaching the class and that he mm-hmm. does a lot of the substantive lifting it it appears from the kind of short vignettes we get about the, yeah. what the class is like and I think that that's cool it's like the you know what we don't really see much dad parenting especially for the younger kids absolutely um, well and
0: I also liked that that was part of why Christy had a crush on him I think even though once she saw his kid but like I liked that like Christy respects knowledge about caring for children, right? And so (laughs) there's this cute dude, and then he's like telling him what to do. So for the I do wonder
1: though whether it doesn't veer into that territory of like valorizing something that should just be taken for granted, right? Like Mm -hmm. you know, and when when all the think pieces about how you know dads are caregiving and the sort of social lauding that happens for a task that women are just presumed to be responsible yeah. for and never get credited for yeah. doing. Right. And so like, I wondered if that didn't veer into this territory a little bit, like, oh, wow, this is so cool. A guy taking care of or who knows so much about kids and is teaching us about it. And then like, oh, but then I, I guess he's not this like is 1991. I mean, yeah. like, yes, it should be
0: differently and it's not. So like, yeah. I don't want to punish Don for being way better than most of the men out there, you know, like, sure. <laughs> we do need to give more, more praise to the women, but like, I think we can recognize that he's doing something good and different.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Y- you should care for your children. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. That, That's that what you're Chris supposed Rock. to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a good babysitter he is. Well, it, I mean, it is kind of funny, though, because I wonder whether that's not the the switch, right? That, like, at first she's like, wow, he's so knowledgeable about babies. And she's, like, viewing him in under the rubric of babysitter. And then she's like, oh, he's just a dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's just, like, a lot of baby crazy in this book. It's like, ooh, young girls love babies. And they're so cute. And they're so sweet. And... I mean, I I love a baby. You do love a baby. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm not like, oh, look at this little angel.
0: I mean, you wouldn't say little angel, but you kind of love babies.
1: Yeah, but I like to call them weird things, you know, not like super gendered cutesy things. Yeah. Like, I can't tell if the girls were really being kind of baby crazy or if they were just like, they just needed some weird pretense for them to have a fight about nothing. Like, I (laughs) the whole thing is very confusing. What is a baby yeah. parade?
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I just did a little research on it, if you guys are interested.
1: I'm just like, what the fuck is happening?
2: Well, if you go on, if you read, like, her little Anna Martin's little, like, after uh-huh. thing, which isn't in, in our books, but it's on the Kindle and on the internet, okay. she talks about how um, there was a baby parade growing up that she went to, or that she saw. Oh, in,
0: in Princeton?
2: And, like, around... um Sea, like ocean city or like sea city oh so oh. i looked it up and it is in fact okay it's ocean so it's still going on um it's the longest consecutively run baby parade in the nation they just had their 103rd <laughs> annual baby parade um, oh my god so the the competition what yeah the <laughs> Listeners, we really got to do a behind the scenes share video at some point because this is like Emily's space is like okay, incredible. Okay, well, check it out. So the parade competition is open to children from infants to 10 years of age. 10 is not a baby? No, but they call it a baby parade. Um, they parade down the boardwalk and decorated go-karts, coaches, express wagons, and small floats featuring imaginative themes that range from nursery rhymes to Philly sports teams. The Ocean City Baby Parade was founded by Leo Bamberger, one of the organi- organizers of Labor Day. It is now directed huh. by Susan <laughs> Canale, who heads a committee of forty volunteers. Okay, musical okay, groups. Musical groups scheduled include the Pittman Hobo Band, a high school body. band, the Atlantic City Bagpipers, ah. the teachers in the book, the Fred Hall Dixieland Band. Uh, the Hype Guard musical marchers and the Ed Coles entertainers. Clearly, this is inspiration. Well, it's not
0: I love Lucy and it's not Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird.
2: Yeah, and then I just <laughs> and then I did a Google image search and it's like cute. If you type in like baby parade ocean city, <laughs> the best one okay. the best one is of a baby like in a wheel of fortune float. What? Yeah, it's like the the wheel is in front of them and then like the letter board is in back of them. I don't know. And there's like some really old photos that are black and white. Yeah,
1: I'm still kind of stuck on your (laughs) summary that was a question, which is like, why would all these new parents, especially the ones who the girls just met in this class, let these 13 year old girls hold their infants on a float that's being pulled in a car driven by a 16 year old (laughs) 17 he's 17 yeah
2: 17 year old (laughs) that didn't occur to me until i read that and it seemed very dangerous well
0: i think you know the the junk buckets only going like two miles an hour right it's a parade it's not going fast he's not whipping around corners
1: (laughs) yeah i just feel like a lot of these new parents would be nervous and i don't know it, just, right. it seemed like a stretch to me that nine adults were like, yeah, I have no problem with this whatsoever. Totally. Like, it makes sense that, like, Emily and
0: Squirt and maybe even Lucy Newton would be there. Yeah. Right? And maybe uh, Laura Perkins, because they've known them for so long. But, but like, they get five twins. other babies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: And if also, you- Christy Although, is if holding I'm the- Emily and watching Ricky and Rose. Why does right. one
0: also if i'm the newtons after the island adventure i don't know if i'm sending any of my kids off on other bsc
1: schemes yeah no
0: they're like you already almost lost jamie at
1: sea i'm not gonna let you run over lucy with the junk bucket yeah (laughs) why the newtons even let the girls still babysit for them is beyond me
0: (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) Oh, it's super weird. Well, we'll post some of those pictures on Instagram. I'm sure. That's yeah, bizarre.
2: and it looks like this is done on the boardwalk, so it is. It looks like people pushing like a stroller mm-hmm. type thing or pulling like a small float, but there is no like gigantic float with 15 people on it being pulled by a car or anything.
0: I mean, again, that wouldn't surprise me if it was adults right? Like, I think you could safely have people on holding babies. But yeah, this is weird.
2: I mean, it's okay. been going on for like more than 100 years. It kind of makes more sense yeah. now, right?
0: Oh, it totally makes sense to me for the 20s. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what else are you doing? Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. If are having babies, let's have a baby parade. <laughs> yeah, there's no internet, you know?
1: Yeah, but i why do we think Anna Martin knew about this? Like, is this like something she
2: attended? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she, she saw a flyer for it, and then just, she, she said her and her sister wished they could have been in it, but they were too. But old. she
1: never went. She just like heard of it once and was like, "This is what I imagine it would be like." Like, she did not seeing a flyer and then googling it, right? Like in the nineties.
2: <laughs> oh, so it. she didn't go.
1: I Let assume that she went. It.
2: it says in one of those towns like sea city every year around the middle of august my family and i would see flyers announcing a baby parade to be held over labor day weekend any parents who were interested could enter their baby in the parade the parents dressed up their children and prizes were awarded for the most beautiful baby best costume and so forth my sister and i were too old to be in the parade but it was a lot of fun to watch oh no, knew, so she did who go. who knew what a great story idea it would be you never know where an idea is going to come from maybe this idea yeah. was best left in the memory of her mind.
0: You know, I don't know that it's a bad idea and I actually wonder if Anna Martin had written this book if it would have been better. Like it is a weird premise, but mm. um I, you know, she's been able to do lots of things with weird premises like We Loved Island Adventure, right? Like I I just don't know I given that it's a real thing and that I could definitely see parents getting obsessed with it. I don't want to, like, shit on just the pure idea of the baby parade, but I don't think the execution is great. I think the plot, as we mentioned, was really thin. And even their argument, like, it seems like there could have been lots of good things for them. They could have gotten in arguments about it not being safe enough. You know, they could have gotten in arguments. Mm -hmm. Like, they could have actually had an argument instead of, like, "Mm -hmm, I'm over here doing my thing. I'm, You know, I'm Mallory. I'm going to make the costumes totally by myself. I'm Claudia. I'm going to make the float totally by myself. (laughs) Like... They, I feel like the conflicts could have been better. Like, they, this could have been a book, and it just mm-hmm. kind of wasn't. And then that's, like, amplified by the weird premise. The shoe looks pretty good on the cover. Yeah, it looks fine on the cover. This is not what they're describing. This is not the orange lump that they described. It definitely looks like a shoe.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these babies on the cover. That's Ricky and One. Rose, right?
1: Isn't Emily Michelle only two? Yeah, yeah. she
2: looks like five.
1: Seven, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: These babies look pretty stiff.
1: Also, what ground do we have for the fact that Mallory is the one who made the costumes?
0: Yeah, none. I I didn't understand that at all. And I tried to picture my 11-year-old making costumes for nine babies, and it would not have gone
2: well. (laughs) Oh,
1: I mean, I would love to see them. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to imagine. Mm Mm-mm and her sort of stress over like well i can't make nine more costumes. Well, <laughs> of course she couldn't. Like well, I know but it just struck me as a very like mature a- anxious response. Mm-hmm, like <laughs> mm-hmm. rather than a an 11-year-old anxious response. Right. It's okay, great, wait. that makes sense.
2: Also on the cover of this book you can see some of the crowd and they're all like white men, like old white men. <laughs> What? Like, right? That guy's in a three-piece suit.
1: That's yeah. And it's super weird. What is going on
2: there? <laughs> and they're all wearing, like, half of them are wearing, like, weird sports sunglasses. I don't know. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Anything else,
2: Emily? Um, I've forgotten. All right. Mm-hmm. Anne? Mm-hmm.
1: There were a
0: lot of, like, random pop culture references in this book.
2: Yeah. I think that when it's not, an Anne and, and a Martin book, you tend to get more like current for the 90s mm. um, references. Mm-hmm. But the ones I wanted to touch on were first, somebody dressed her kid up as Rambo or their baby. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they won a prize. Uh huh. Which Rambo was really, so the first Rambo movie came out in 1982. There's like five Rambo movies. Mm-hmm. And three of them came out before 1991. And they are very popular. I remember my, my brother had a Rambo poster in his bedroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a little bit. Have you guys seen Rambo before? No. No. Okay. I'm just going to read a little plot summary because I also <laughs> have never seen it. And okay. Vietnam veteran and drifter John J. Rambo played with Sylvester Stallone wanders into a small Washington town in search of an old friend, but is met with intolerance and brutality by the local sheriff. Uh, Will Teasel, the the sheriff is Will Teasel. When Teasel and his deputies restrain and shave Rambo, he flashes back to his time as a prisoner of war and unleashes his fury on the officers. He narrowly escapes the manhunt, but will take his former commander to save the hunters from the hunted. So... Somebody dressed their child up as Rambo <laughs> or a baby and they won a prize for it. And if anyone is familiar with the iconic Rambo image, it's like Sylvester Stallone with like shirtless with like a gun strapped around his body with like a red bandana.
1: Yeah, and like but like a bullet bandolier. Oh, right? Yes, a
2: bullet bandolier. Yeah. And
1: So did someone put
2: that on their baby? Yeah, so if you... I I googled Rambo baby costume and many people have dressed up their babies (laughs) as Rambo. That's so weird. But I think, like, Ellen Wells was just like, what's culturally relevant now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. I remember both I mean, I guess it's kind
1: of hilarious to dress a baby in something that's really, really adult. Yeah.
2: Yes, but I feel like the gun is a little bit...
1: Yeah, I don't yeah. like guns, but we, but also, like, that's a lot of people don't care about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll post some, um, photos. We'll, we'll blur out the child's face. Mm. But there's a lot of babies as rainbow on the internet.
1: What's like something more inappropriate you could dress your kid as?
2: Hitler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. The, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, David Koresh. Ooh. Donald Trump. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I think that one's pretty easy to do because it's just like yeah. a weird. pole Pot. Hair peaceful, Oh,
2: geez. I could keep going.
0: <laughs> I notice they're all men. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah,
1: well. <laughs> Phyllis Schlafly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic.
2: Okay. Then the other thing I wanted to point out is. Um... Voldemort. sorry that'd be scary
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay carry on
2: somebody's goldfish is named crystal light the second yes okay and i was like what the fuck
1: that has to be karen's right or andrews yeah i think it's karen and andrew (laughs) yeah but like which one of the kids named that goldfish is what i'm wondering was it oh, Karen, Karen or was it Andrew? Yeah, right, Must be Karen. I think. <laughs> Crystal Light like, the second. The other one, but was I feel there, like, like her names would be fancier and like. Oh, that's true.
0: Maybe it is Andrew. Yeah, because he's
1: just like pointed at the thing, the first thing he saw, <laughs> and then yeah. when that one died, he had to replace well, it. Well, no,
0: I think it is Karen because the other goldfish is named Goldfishy. Oh, yeah. That, so that's probably Andrew. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's only that's four. Funny. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to name your goldfish? Uh, Goldfishy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's that's on the nose. That's how that's how little kids name things for sure.
2: Yeah, so funny. So I was like, oh man, Crystal Light. That was like (laughs) such a big thing in the eighties and nineties. The beverage. Yes. Like we had Crystal Light, and it came in these like a cylinder thing, and then inside was like little ramekins uh, of serving sizes. You pour into like a pitcher, and you make lemonade. And I remember having that, and I drank it, even though it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. but it was it was a pretty huge uh like it was all during a time where there was like a lot of like low sugar no sugar oh, yeah. or, like low calorie like the kind of the 80s diet fad yeah this is like time. around
0: the time that snack wells came out
2: yeah like and weight watchers and yeah. like all of that stuff so i did a little um research into crystal Light. so it went to market in 1984 and interestingly, it is still very popular today. Uh-huh. They've they've like reformulated it. I think they now use stevia mm. as the sweetener. Uh-huh. And as for demographics, obviously Crystal Light tends to be more popular with Gen X as and then and then as a fifty two percent favorable favorable opinion followed by forty five percent from millennials and forty four percent from baby boomers, which I thought would have been opposite, but
0: Yeah, I associate it with boomers. Yeah, totally.
2: Also, there's ninety percent of consumers have heard of Crystal Light, which Ah. is a lot. Um, Coca Cola has ninety four percent, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah. They also had a lot of like commercials in the eighties and nineties with some Mm -hmm. famous women. It was obviously marketed towards women. But what's interesting is that a lot of these commercials were about these women like being like strong, like exercising. Drink. Yeah. So okay. They had so Linda Evans was was one of their spokespeople. And it showed her doing aerobics in a gym and drinking crystal light. Wait, what year is this? This was nineteen eighty-five. Eighty-five, uh, okay. Yeah. And then it showed her stuck in traffic in a limousine. In a limousine? I Uh, wonder if it had
1: a horn that played Lucky (laughs) karate. So
2: she was stuck in a limousine in traffic and showing her doing a variety of difficult stunts, ultimately ending up on a boat drinking Crystal Light. Um, And in 1986, uh, their spokesperson was Priscilla Presley. Uh. And and those commercials showed her practicing karate in a dojo (laughs) while drinking Crystal Light
0: listeners the 80s were a time i don't know if we yeah. emphasize this enough <laughs> what
1: year did the karate Kid come out
0: oh
2: 84 i want to say 80 mid-80s as mm. me someone look it up like i keep okay. on talking 1987 uh commercials featured raquel welch and it mm-hmm. showed her singing and dancing
1: heir to the welsh's grape juice fortune <laughs> sorry <laughs> i wish uh
2: I, I was right.
1: Karate Kid came out in 84.
2: Okay, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I bet Karate Kid 2 came out in around 1986, I would assume.
0: I can go back to yeah. the, my research.
2: Um. So anyway, it shows Does all these... Our research
1: assistant, yeah. please.
2: It shows all these like fit women doing something active, and at the end they're like, ooh, crystal light. What a thirst clencher. Huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, Karate Kid Part 2, 1986. Yeah,
2: so that makes sense <laughs> that she was... We showed her doing yeah. karate because that was just kind of the trend there.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
2: And, oh, one of their catchphrases that they said was, I believe in crystal light because I believe in me.
0: Which <gasps> I, wow. I, feel like that I remember just that. just struck me through the heart. <laughs> I This
2: She's whole time you face. were talking, I was
0: like, yeah. The whole time you were talking, I was like, there wasn't a jingle, was there? There wasn't a jingle, but there was a slogan and that like hit yeah. the memory hole hard
2: but let's talk about what that even means
0: it doesn't mean anything
2: what does believing in crystal light mean
1: i don't know
0: is it a, yeah is it a religious society
1: is it a it's
0: why does faith, t-
1: yeah t- temper tucking treatment cult <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> i can't say those words in the right order <laughs> yeah,
0: <what? laughs> temper tantrum tucking treatment
2: Yeah, yeah, she gives him a little bit of crystal light before she tucks him in.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, why does Faith enter into it at all? I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. And
2: then, I don't know if you guys remember, but maybe like a handful of years ago, there was a lot of clips of this uh, aerobics competition that was on like YouTube and like Instagram. I don't know what
0: you're talking about. It was
2: like these uh, clips of really intense aerobics choreography and stuff. I'll put it yeah. up. I'll put a link up. But so that was actually the Crystal Light National Aerobic Championship competition which was run in for <laughs> three years in the mid 80s hosted by okay, guess
1: the same person who hosted the baby parade.
2: Little Peabody?
1: Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, mid 80s. Uh-huh.
0: Is it hosted by a man?
2: Yes. Obviously. I feel like you can get this.
0: Okay. Like it, like straight in the middle, like 85, 86. Yeah.
2: I'll give you some other hints.
0: Bob yeah. Hope
2: <laughs> it was an actor on a sitcom.
1: Okay. Is he still uh, alive?
2: You have something in common with this character as me. I do? I do? With the character. Oh, um, it's Alan Thick. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you have in common with Alan Thick? He plays a psychiatrist on Growing Pains. <laughs> Oh, yikes. That's a bit of a stretch, no? No, but I knew what she was going for. This is
0: why Anne and I are good at games. She gets me. Alan Thick. Yeah. It's amazing.
2: That's pretty good. Good. I mean, I gave some clues,
0: but wow. No, I, that was like my second guess. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. All right. What it? There were lots of snacks in this book, yeah? A lot I- of snacks.
2: Some of them were actually in a meeting, and then Christy mentioned a lot of them just describing Claudia, but I'll include those. I uh, got Kit Kats, M&M's, mm. Doritos, extra cheese.
0: Extra cheese?
2: hmm
0: I think that was a short... They said, like, the new extra cheese kind, so mm-hmm. I think it was short-lived, maybe.
2: Yodels, whole wheat pretzels, ringdings, Pringles, barbecue potato chips. Maybe I'll eat
0: some Doritos today. <gasps> Wasn't there also, like, low-salt Triscuits?
2: Oh, that Ew. was um low-fat.
0: Uh, low-fat Triscuits yeah. and Snickers. Oh, boy.
2: Low-fat <laughs> Snickers? No, no, both that kids.
0: semi Snickers. Period. Ew. <laughs> okay. Bunch of tallies, two sophisticated, a bossy, a health food, um, an exotic. Christy refers to Emily as having almond-shaped eyes, mm-hmm. but not to Claudia, just to note that. One sensitive. Oh, but no, she does to Claudia. Two almonds for Claudia and one for Emily. So we got a lot of them. Only one exotic. And then um, a couple just little social justice watch. One, one, she references playing cowboys and Indians, which is mm-hmm. not fantastic. And then when Slim Peabody is introducing the baby parade prizes, he says, ladies and gents. And that's all I got. Yeah. What about weirdest lines? What do you all have?
1: I had a couple that I thought were funny, but don't necessarily make good um, episode titles. I like when Jenny mispronounces gymnastics as gymtastics, yeah, <laughs> I thought that one was pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, and I also really liked the name of uh, Nina Marshall's imaginary boyfriend. It's Jimmy Tony, one word, no yeah. space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, Jimmy Tony is good. I think they referenced <laughs> that in the old Babysitters Club series. I oh, really? Like, it reminded. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's comes funny. Up. Yeah um yeah yeah how but ne-
1: neither one of those are necessarily like i think great for um... yeah they're not bad though they're nice and short Anne
0: likes it when they're short so they don't make That's the font true. look weird
2: yeah so how... Um, how about you
0: ann
2: i have one it is <laughs> it's when jesse and mel are admiring the horse oh God. <laughs> and jesse goes look at that beautiful animal
1: <laughs> so i had good. to reread that because at first i didn't notice that it that it was a guy on a horse i thought they were talking about the man and yes, that's, me like, too. Well, <laughs> thought,
0: that's what christy thought too that's the joke it's a good little joke yeah,
1: yeah so good that's pretty good
0: um i did have crystal light the written down but i also liked is it who were they talking about playing barbies is it eleanor marshall um, and how she's just learning to talk. And so when she plays Barbies with Nina, she says, Barbie, dress, dancing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I which I thought up. was good. And then I also liked that um when Christy's introducing everybody, she said that Claudia could also be the refreshment officer, which I thought was mm-hmm. a good, good name for Claudia.
1: Oh yeah. I like refreshment officer. That's good. Um, I feel like Barbie dress what was it? Dancing. Play? Dancing is like kind of an appropriate
2: Agreed. analog
1: to baby parade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I
2: think so too. That's so true.
1: yeah, if we want to go in theme, or we okay. could, you know,
2: I'd like to go in theme. Great, okay. I'm a fan. So, of them. Barbie dress dancing. Yes. What okay. should we pizza toast to? But before we get to the pizza toast, I just want to say, who let Claudia write the float signs? <laughs> right. Why? Yeah, Why?
1: I don't know. That doesn't it make any sense. It seems rude.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a setup. Exactly.
1: We didn't have time to proofread. It's like, okay, yeah. well, if we knew that it would need to be proofread, then why didn't someone else do it? Yeah. Yeah, anyway. not
0: cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this is a pizza toast either, but like our high school homecoming parade, each class, like the freshmen, the sophomores, juniors, the seniors would make a float and there was a contest, um, but it didn't involve paint. It involved a lot of chicken wire and a lot of little pieces of crepe paper what were those called pom-poms pomps Poms. that's what it was pomps yeah um and you would make like a chicken wire structure and then you would put all the things In freshman year it was in michelle's backyard that you've all mm-hmm. mich- met michelle now yeah. um michelle
2: hosted the float building
0: yeah it was fun mostly because you get yeah. to like hang out with people a lot
2: yeah we didn't fight and there were no yeah. babies yeah <laughs> so
1: our floats looked better than the lumpy shoe but
2: did. Yeah, yeah I think our
1: our high school used to go pretty out for floats all out but I was never in student government so
0: Aaron it was, wasn't student government sister. that was the cool thing about it it was just like mm-hmm. everyone in the freshman class knew where it was and anyone could go help build the float
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah. ours might have been like that I just probably was not interested in helping. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I remember the floats were cool they were like elaborate and big
0: yeah
2: maybe we could find a photo of our float
0: oh we could definitely can find some photos of our floats yes. yeah yeah well maybe not definitely because my yearbooks are in storage and you don't care about the past but maybe you can find a yearbook
2: that's not true yeah. I, I just don't organize my past
0: <laughs> okay you're gonna have to look you're gonna have to look around
1: <laughs> oh the organize. only other thing is my past <laughs> this is...
2: my past is just in boxes as these are like on display
1: is that meta? is it metaphorical or literal <laughs> both <laughs> 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 um this is not a pizza toast
0: either but a thing that I noticed this is prior to like Elmo's ubiquity and reign as like, oh yeah it. I, like, f- I
1: forgot to flag that that yeah. like is not self-evident who Elmo is right yeah. she's like one of the characters yeah. of Sesame Street one called Elmo I was like oh that feels like really anachronistic now <laughs> right and <laughs> she actually says like Squirt has to really watch out for him because he
0: doesn't show up very often, which Mm -hmm. was true of Elmo at a time. And then he exploded. So I was like, oh, right. Back when Elmo was just like Telly or Harry Monster, he was just another monster. Well,
1: yeah, it is revealing, though, that like, I mean, I don't know, maybe she called the trend, right? That like babies Mm -hmm. like Squirt were like, fixated on this character that wasn't around would explain the explosion. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm Well, we could pizza toast to Elmo.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Pizza toast. Yeah. Okay. Great. A pizza toast to Elmo. Pizza toast to Elmo. Pizza toast to Elmo. Man, Elmo, what a
2: phenomenon! <laughs> this episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned.
0: Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at StuckInStonyBrook or find us on our website, StuckInStonyBrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash StuckInStonyBrook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.